a dramatic story that I'll probably remember as long as I live. It was told to me by Robert Moore of Maplewood, New Jersey. I learned the biggest lesson of my life in March 1945, he said. I learned it under 276 feet of water off the coast of Indochina. I was one of 88 men aboard the submarine by SS-318. We had discovered by radar that a small Japanese convoy was coming our way. As daybreak approached, we submerged to attack. I saw through the periscope a Japanese destroyer escort, a tanker, and a mine layer. We fired three torpedoes at the destroyer escort but missed. Something went haywire in the mechanics of each torpedo. The destroyer, not knowing that she had been attacked, continued on. We were getting ready to attack the last ship, the mine layer, when suddenly she turned and came directly at us. A Japanese plane had spotted us under 60 feet of water and had radioed our position to the Japanese mine layer. We went down to 150 feet to avoid detection and rigged for a depth charge. We put extra bolts to the hatches and in order to make our sub absolutely silent, we turned off the fans, the cooling system, and all electrical gear. Three minutes later, all hell broke loose. Six depth charges exploded all around us and pushed us down to the ocean floor, a depth of 276 feet. We were terrified. To be attacked in less than a thousand feet of water is dangerous. Less than 500 is almost always fatal. And we were being attacked in a trifle more than half of 500 feet of water, just about knee deep, as far as safety was concerned. For 15 hours, that Japanese mylayer kept dropping depth charges. If a depth charge explodes within 17 feet of a sub, the concussion will blow a hole in it. Scores of these depth charges exploded within 50 feet of us. We were ordered to secure to lie quietly in our bunks and remain calm. I was so terrified I could hardly breathe. This is death, I kept saying to myself over and over. This is death, this is death. With the fans and 100 degrees, but I was so chilled with fear that I put on a sweater and a fur-lined jacket and I still trembled with cold. My teeth chattered. I broke out in a cold, clammy sweat. The attack continued for 15 hours, then ceased suddenly. Apparently, the Japanese miner had exhausted its supply of death charges and steamed away. Those 15 hours of attack seemed like 15 million years. All my life passed before me in review. I remembered all the bad things I had done, all the little absurd things I had worried about. I had been a bank clerk before I joined the Navy. I had worried about the long hours, the poor pay, the poor prospects of advancement. I had worried because I couldn't own my own home, couldn't buy a new car, couldn't buy my wife nice clothes. How I had hated my old boss who was always nagging and scolding. I remembered how I would come at nights, sore and grouchy and quarrel with my wife over trifles. I had worried about a scar on my forehead, a nasty cut from an auto accident. How big all those worries seemed years ago, but how absurd they seemed when death charges were threatening to blow me to kingdom come. I promised myself then and there that if I ever saw the sun and the stars again, I would never, never worry again. Never, never, never! I learned more about the art of living in those 15 terrible hours in that submarine than I had learned by studying books for four years in Syracuse University. We often face the major disasters of life bravely and then let the trifles, the pains in the neck, get us down. For example, 
Samuel Pepys tells in his diary about seeing Sir Harry Vane's head chopped off in London. As Sir Harry mounted the platform, he was not bleeding for his life, but was bleeding with the executioner not to hit the painful boil on his neck. That was another thing that Admiral Beer discovered down at the terrible cold in gardens of the Polar Nights, that his men fussed more about the pains in the neck than about the big things. They bore without complaining the dangers, the hardships, and the cold that was often 80 degrees below zero. What? says Admiral Beard. I know of bunkmates who quit speaking because each suspected the other of inching his gear into the other's allotted space. And I knew of one who could not eat unless he could find a place in the mess. Paul, out of sight of the Fletcherist who solemnly chewed his food 28 times before swallowing. In a polar camp, says Admiral Beard, little things like that have the power to drive even disciplined men to the edge of insanity. And you might have added, Admiral Beard, that little things in marriage drive people to the edge of insanity and cause half the heartaches of the world. At least that is what the authorities say. For example, Judge Joseph Sabbath of Chicago, after acting as arbiter in more than 40,000 unhappy marriages, declared, Trivialities are at the bottom of most unmarital unhappiness. And Frank S. Hogan, former district attorney of New York County, says, Fully half the cases in our criminal courts originate in little things. Baroon bravado, domestic wrangling, and insulting remark, a disparaging word, a rude action, those are the little things that lead to assault and murder. Very few of us are cruelly and greatly wronged. It is the small blows to our self-esteem, the indignities, the little jolts to our vanity which cause the heartaches in the world.